I have the pleasure of um, speaking to you on the subject of parenting. Perhaps not surprising because it is a um, baby Thanksgiving today. Uh, and so maybe for some of you, you think, oh, oh dear, it's a talk on parenting. Uh, maybe if you're here and you're not a Christian, you might think, what is this going to be about? Well, please just uh, listen, and I'm sure that um, what I can say is that you'll hear something that's a bit of good news, and it's a bit of positivity. Often there's a bit of negativity around this subject in the world, and so um, at the very least, I'm sure you'll hear something that, will be, that you'll think is positive. Maybe you'll hear something that's even, uh, that might challenge you or make you think a bit deeper about um, parenting, but also about God. Um, maybe you're not a parent and you're thinking right now, why didn't I stay in bed? <laughs> or why, didn't, why aren't I in the garden right now? It's a beautiful sunny day. I could be uh, sunbathing or whatever. Well, let me say to you, if you're a member of the church here and you're not a parent, this is definitely not going to be irrelevant to you. Okay, uh, in the Bible, as you know, uh, we've already talked about the fact we're a family together as a church. And one of the things it says in the New Testament is that we bear one another's burdens. That's part of what we do as God's family. We bear one another's burdens. And as, you, as you're here, as we go on through this talk, um, parenting is, is something of a burden for those who are blessed with the, the responsibility of being parents. And so um, as you listen to this, you may hear things, you may hear insights that will help you to support your friends and brothers and sisters in the church who, who are parents. Parenting is an amazing privilege, but it is also, okay, so this, this next little bit is kind of a little bit of the bad news, but we are going to get to the good news. It is also something of a roller coaster. I'm, I'm sure that you guys already, um, uh, even though your children are still very young, You'll know this already and will have experienced this. It is a complete roller coaster. Highs and lows, thrills and spills, emotions, hormones, the works, right? It is a roller coaster. And um, I don't know about you, but I uh, increasingly seem to be hearing, the older I get, stories of roller coasters, as in real roller coasters, that actually go wrong and that break and that things happen to them. There was a story in the news this week about a roller coaster that broke and people were stuck on it again. And it seems to be happening more and more um, frequently. And if you're anything like me, I'm a parent. I've got two girls, eight and six. That's not their names, that's their ages, in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> it'd be a bit cruel to call them that. Um, but um, I know it could feel like a roller coaster and sometimes a roller coaster that breaks. <laughs> that's, that's the reality of it. Um, it can be the cause of the greatest joy and the greatest pain. It can make you feel like a great success when it's all going well and when you're winning. Or it can make you feel like a huge failure when it's not going well and when you're losing. Parenting can feel a bit like a storm where you're in a boat. And this isn't, a boat, this isn't like Eagle Piggle's boat, okay? This isn't a nice tranquil boat where you're sleeping going through the waters. This is a, this is a boat which is going through a storm where you're buffeted to and fro, um, where just when it gets calm and you feel like you've got the rudder back in control, another wave comes along and you can feel just out of control. The waves of uncertainty and change come along again. And sometimes it can be hard to ride the storm or we can feel like we're not in control of where it's going. Just to be honest, I think if you're a parent, you're probably internally thinking, yep, I know what that feels like. That is what, it's, that what it can be like. But the good news, yep, the good news, I didn't, didn't, you know, it didn't take long to get there. 
The good news is that our children's lives don't have to be left to chance. Okay, the good news is that we are not alone when it comes to this job of parenting. We are not alone. We are not alone. And this is where the Christian perspective comes in. Uh, And so we know from who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as he's revealed himself in the Bible, we know that uh, there is hope for us, that we are not alone. So as Christians, we believe in God, the Father, the author of life, the one who created everything, He created us all, and he knows us all by name. And God the Father is the perfect parent. He invented parenting. He invented the whole concept of a father and a mother. And he models it to us in a way which helps us to model it to our children. It's going to be one of my main points today, really, is that God is the perfect parent. He's the perfect father who shows perfect parenting to us. So we're not alone because of God the Father. We're also not alone because of God the Son. God, the Son, as, it, as, it, as the story is told in the Bible, he became one of us. He became a man in, in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born and raised in a community, in a family. He understands all that surrounds the arrival and upbringing of children. He was a son. He was also a sibling. Okay, so we're not alone. We have a God who knows and who understands And also, as well as not being alone as parents, we have wisdom. Now, that might sound like a bit of an arrogant phrase. What do you mean we have wisdom? Oh, yes, we're very wise. Well, we have a wisdom, but a wisdom that doesn't come from us. We have access to a wisdom that comes from God. He helps us as parents. He gives us wisdom and insight. He gives us direction from his word, the Bible. And this is better than just mere advice or life hacks or hints and tips. This is ageless wisdom that comes directly from the author of life. So again, we know God as parents. There can be hope. There can be hope. Okay. We have wisdom. And uh, you may have mentioned that I've missed out one person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God who comes to us and lives within us. When we come to, to put our faith in Jesus, when we, when we believe in him, when we walk with him, when we obe- obey him, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God who comes and lives with inside each one of us. And the Holy Spirit gives us that wisdom. He gives us that love, that power that we need to parent. We can't do it on our own. We, we have all that we need from God, the Holy Spirit, even in our own weakness. And so we're not alone and we have wisdom. Okay, these are just two things to start us off, two great bits of good news. Um, And this is Susanna, by the way. We'll meet her properly later. Just give her a little wave as she goes past. So we have wisdom and we're not alone. And that's so important for us to hear and to know and to understand and to believe and to get hold of. We need to know that as parents today more than ever. Because I think in our culture, our 21st century culture, parenting has become a very serious and a very intense subject. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's increasingly something that's subject to scrutiny in every area. And we can feel that keenly as as parents. We can feel this pressure that's all around us from society. might sound a bit of a cliche, but you've probably heard it said, or maybe you've said it yourself, that it used to be the way back in the day, in my day, maybe you've said yourself, or back in the day, 
It used to be the case, parents basically you needed to feed and clothe your children, uh, keep them away from explosives, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and basically that, that, that was it, you know, that, that, that was parenting back in the day. And nowadays, parenting starts for when they're very little, and it starts with, okay, how are they going to sleep? Are they going to sleep on their fronts? Oh, no, 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 they mustn't sleep on their fronts, they must sleep on their backs. No, hang on a minute, they must sleep on their fronts. Then it's, are they going to sleep in the cot, or are they going to sleep with you? Oh, no, 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 you mustn't have them sleep with you. No, 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 you must have them sleep with you. This is, this is what it's like, isn't it? And you, know, you guys know, will know this, if you've got, particularly if you're in that kind of baby zone, everything is subject to intense scrutiny. Uh, and then there's the pressure in terms of performance. There's a pressure, societal pressure for your kids to become these amazing, wonderful, uh, incredible human beings. So they need to be able to swim uh, 80 meters before their third birthday. They need to be able to be grade three on the piano by the time they're three. Uh, they mustn't have more than 97 calories for their lunch. Um, and, you know, when they've got to have the right car seat and they've got to be in it until they're at least five foot six. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> These are the kind of societal pressures. And obviously some of it comes from a good place. Some of it is about protection and wanting to look after children. But I think uh, we can probably agree that some of it um, is a little o- OTT. And it results in an overwhelming pressure to perform. And it can feel overwhelming. And what this, the problem with this is that it does lead to a tremendous fear and guilt-based approach to parenting. That is what is often produced by um, our society's view of it. We fear that we're never doing a quite a good enough job. And so we feel so terribly guilty about it. I know you can relate to that as parents because I know that feeling. And I know that we, most of us in the room who are parents would have had that feeling at one point or another. But knowing God, again, here's the good news, knowing God liberates us from that fear because we are not alone, because he is with us and he cares about us. He cares about the minutiae of parenting and he cares about our kids, obviously. And we have wisdom. We have wisdom from God on it. And wisdom, as I said, is not just uh, specific kind of instructions and details. Wisdom is amazing principles that God gives us, which are simple and attainable. So what I want to do briefly, I'm not going to spend uh, ages looking at every single reference in the Bible to parenting. There are lots and lots, uh, but do encourage you to have a look, particularly uh, places like the book of Proverbs. There's lots of great wisdom in there um, on parenting and other places too. But briefly what we're going to do is just look at one verse actually from the Bible that talks about the role of a parent and what it entails. So we're just going to look at one verse. It's going to be very simple. Um, And that verse is in the book of Ephesians, which is a letter in the New Testament which was written by the Apostle Paul, uh, one of the founders of Christianity, really. And he wrote it to a church in a city called Ephesus. And in it, he talks about how Jesus makes a difference to families. So here's what it says in Ephesians uh, 6 verse 4. I'm just going to read this one verse. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So there it is. That's our verse that we're going to be looking at and just explaining a little bit. So um, first of all, we're going to look at it in reverse order. So first point is that it says here that we're to train and instruct our children. So that's point number one. We're to train and instruct our children. Again, heading back to culture and what, what's, what's often communicated through the sort of values of society, through the media, 
the vibe about parenting, you've got this paradox where there's pressure on the one hand to be the perfect parent, but on the other hand, there's pressure to let it be all about exploration and discovery. Child-led parenting. Let your children explore, let them discover, lay the options out for them and let them choose, even when they're like one and a half. Okay, that's often the vibe, that's often the way from a very early age, um, that's, that's often what's beamed to us. And again, there's some good in that. I'm not knocking that entirely. But what it says here is that kids actually need training and instruction. And it's really important to, to be able to say that. Like kids need teaching. Kids need to be told and taught and trained in how to be a human. It's, it's part of what parenting uh, involves. So there's an expectation here um, from what Paul is writing that, that children will actually learn something from their parents. But specifically, actually, um, dads have a particular role in this, okay? Um, the, the, the sort of true interpretation of this verse actually is that it says, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Maybe that dads have more of a, of a propensity to exasperate their children. Maybe that's why we needed to hear that <laughs> specifically. Um, but, um, but actually, dads have a key role here. Father's Day in two weeks' time. There's a free reminder for you. <laughs> Stick that in your diary. <laughs> it's Father's Day in two weeks' time. But again, to reference society, we have a crisis of fatherhood in society. Uh, very, very sadly, lots of, lots of children growing up not knowing who their dads are, or if they do know, they perhaps wish they didn't know. Uh, there is a, a, an issue here, and this is something where we as the church can, can help and can model something different because we know our Heavenly Father. And thanks be to him today, these families that we're giving thanks for. Um, we have uh, James and Michaela and Andrew and Victoria who are bringing children into the world in the context of a loving marriage. And uh, so their fathers are around and involved. In fact, as I speak, both fathers are actually right involved, hands-on with their, with their daughters, which is lovely to see. Fathers give their children something very, very unique. And the core, core thing that you as a dad can give your children is identity, a sense of identity. And if you think about it, it works like this. As Christians, our primary sense of identity comes from the fact that we know that we're loved by a loving heavenly father. Right? We've been adopted by our father in heaven through Jesus, through his death and resurrection by the power of the Spirit, we know that we're adopted into his family. And as a dad, you can give your children an amazing sense of identity. You can give them a sense of security. You can give them a sense of love, a sense of significance, obviously a sense of protection. All of that stuff is so kind of, perhaps in a way those things sound a bit woolly. They don't sound very practical, but I tell you what, those things are so key to knowing, to being a, a, a rounded human being. And actually to knowing, to know that you're loved, to know that you're secure, to know that you're protected, to know that you're significant. Those things are deeply uh, impacting and they're very, very important. So fathers, you have a very key role in that. Um, but also in terms of this training and instructing, and this is something that both parents, obviously it's not just about dads, but, um, but, but, but dads particularly have a role in this, training and instructing children. And particularly in the area of values, okay? You can train them in terms of skills. As they get a bit older, you can train them to, you know, ride a bike, 
You can train them to, I don't know, use their knife and fork. Um, you can train them to use power tools while mum's not looking, perhaps. don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it might be. But um, you can also tr- train them in the area of values. And in the book of Proverbs, in the Old Testament, it says, it says this, train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. So training is an amazing investment that you're making in a child's life. And there are lifelong lessons that we need to teach our children. We need to teach them, for example, things like deferring gratification. You can't always have exactly what you want right now in the moment. You need to put some things off for the benefit of your future. We can train them about that. We can train them lessons about honesty. We can teach them about what real love is. We can teach them how to handle money. Not so relevant at the moment, but perhaps for Daniel, who's nearly two, he needs to learn about money, i.e. not putting coins in his mouth, perhaps, or uh, maybe that's one for Cassidy as well. But later on, teaching them the value of, of, of things like money. Because, of course, I've just, these are just a few examples. Obviously, there's lots of values we need to teach our children. Of course, if we fail to teach them our values, they are going to learn them. But they're going to learn them from the advertisers, from the music lyrics, from the older kids in the playground. It is very, very true. They are going to learn values somewhere, and so you want to learn them from you. And I know, I believe, that every life lesson we teach our kids saves them from a much tougher lesson later on in life. So this this job of parenting, it's it's a high calling. It's a precious thing. Um, And remember, we're not alone, and we have wisdom. I don't want you to hear any of this as pressure. Just hear the encouragement that God can help us to do this stuff. Of course, the main way, main way that we train our kids, actually, is by being an example to them. Okay? It's not just by what we say, although it is, but it is more about the kind of people that we are. Um, most of us here probably have copied our parents in some way from growing up. We might have copied mannerisms, we might copy phrases, we might copy particular values. And so it's the same for our kids as well. They will copy us. Um, And so it's worth bearing in mind that most of the training that we'll do for our children is actually pretty unconscious. We'll do it um, without even realizing we're doing it. So the application point here is very clear. It's be the example that you want to be. Easier said than done. I appreciate that. But that is what we need to be really, is be the example that we want to be. Now, I want to be a loving and patient father, but I know there are times when I haven't been. So, for example, there's times when I, you know, being a person involved in leading a church, we lead life groups, we have meetings at our house, and my kids are at the age where they kind of go to bed sort of around that 7.30 time when all Christian meetings in the evening start. And so sometimes we have people arriving and bedtime. And so there have been times, I must confess, where I've rushed bedtime in order to welcome people and present this wonderful picture of uh, a tranquil house where, pet, where children are, are beautifully um, tucked up in bed by half past seven. Uh, and do you know what? That's, sometimes it's, I've succeeded and maybe you've arrived at my house and thought, wow, the kids are, really, are in bed, they're very good. But you know what? I might have actually not been the best example to my kids during that process. And actually, the reality is that on those, ex- those times, I'm more concerned about my reputation with the adults than I am ex- about my example to the kids. Okay, 
our kids are always watching us. They're always looking at our example. Um, so the more that we can deal with the internal struggles that we have, the more we can deal with all that kind of junk inside us, the better parents we'll become. And the more I operate out of who God has made me to be, the more my family will flourish. And it's actually quite simple. You want to be a better parent? The best way to train your kids is to work on the person you're becoming. And you know what? The the best way to do that is to get to know your heavenly father better because he's the perfect parent, because he's the one who models it to us perfectly. He always parents us with grace, with love, with patience, and with wisdom. So the more we get to know him, the better parents we will become. Those of you who are at Catalyst Festival weekend just gone, you'll know that some of the, one of the major themes that was coming through in all the teaching was this thing about our identity, knowing our identity in Christ, knowing who we are, and living out of that place. And it's very true for this. The more we know our father, the more that we will be better father, better mother to our children. So just a quick, just in terms of that, you know, sometimes we can get caught up on our kids' behavior in public. I know that one. I know that one big time, coming to church, you want them to behave or being out in the shop or wherever it is. And of course, their behavior in public is important. We need to train them and teach them in terms of how to interact with wider society. Of course, that's important. But let's not focus on that. Let's start with your behavior and your attitude when you're at home with your kids. Because if you can get it right in the secret, in private place, then you can get it right in public. Okay, I know that's quite challenging, but it's true. Um, and so, so there's the first point. We have a vital role in training and instructing our children, and that's mainly through being an example, and that's something that we can cultivate mainly through our private lives. And if you're married and you're parenting together, maybe that's something to talk about later. Maybe that's something to encourage one another about, uh, hold each other accountable to. How are we living? How are we dealing with stuff? And there's some specific stuff that I'll come on to later in terms of dealing with guilt, because that's a really important issue, which I'll come back to later uh, around this. But let's move on now to the second point, which is it says that we're not to exasperate our children. It's quite an interesting sort of phrase that, you know, that the Bible teaches us, if you want to be a good parent, don't exasperate your child. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's a strong word. It sort of means like infuriate or irritate your children. So we're not to do that. Well, how do we do that? How do we irritate or our, our children? Most of you are probably thinking, well, it's the other way around. They irritate me, you know. <laughs> Why doesn't the Bible say children don't inf- exasperate your parents? It's the other way around. Well, do, let me just suggest three quick ways that we can sometimes exasperate our children at all ages, not just when they're little. So number one, we can exasperate our children by having no time for them quite simply, by having no time for them. So the example I gave of rushing bedtime because I've got a meeting on the evening, that's an example. I'm sure that on more than one occasion I've probably exasperated my, my children by, by uh, hurrying them into bed and not giving them um, more time perhaps because I'm motivated by something else. And that is a challenge because, you know, life goes on. You can't always, it, it, doesn't, it can't revolve completely 100% around your children. So it is a challenge. But I've been challenged, even as I've been preparing this talk, that a phrase that I've realized that I use a lot with my girls recently is, is this. Hang on a minute, I'm just in the middle of something. 
or just let me finish what I'm doing, then I'll come and do what you want me to do. And I've realized that I think I've been using that phrase probably a little bit too much. And that just communicates something, doesn't it? It just communicates, I'm busy, I haven't got time for you. Um, and so, um, obviously, that's not what I want to communicate to them. That's not my desire. But again, we've got to realize our example and what we do, it does communicate stuff. And, you know, with the pressures of modern life, it's easy for even the years to slip by. And before we realize what's happening, um, we haven't had time for our kids. And so we haven't had, we haven't really developed a relationship with them. And so this is something that we can deal with, especially when they're young. Let's get the, get the good practices in place. Spend time with your children and then they're more likely to want to spend time with you when, you're, when they're older. And obviously they develop incredibly quickly, don't they? Kids develop incredibly quickly. So if you don't spend time with them, you'll miss out on things. Fresh adventures, different milestones and achievements in their life. But this goes beyond just time. It's beyond just being physically present. There's something about being emotionally present too. And I think this is, this is an area perhaps, again, speaking as a dad, that you can... There's a danger that you can exasperate your children, and that's by being physically present but emotionally absent. Okay, and I've fallen into this one before. I realized there was a time in my life where I was working in the city center, and I was coming back home, and I realized on my commute that I had to use my commute home at the end of the day to prepare myself for getting home to my family. Because I'd, I'd be processing the day, I'd be thinking about all the things that are happening at work, and I'd be, my mind would be full, and if I wasn't careful, I'd walk through the front door, and all these thoughts were still going around my head. And half an hour later, I, I'm, not, I'm just not there. I'm physically in the room, but I'm not there. I haven't got the capacity to hear about their day. I haven't got the capacity to, um, to support my wife, or to just to be with my kids. Do you see what I mean? There's something about being emotionally present which I think is a, a bit of a discipline, to use that example. You know, work can be tough. We have those things in the adult world we need to think about, but we need to try and cultivate the ability to, particularly maybe talking to dads or, or main breadwinners, when we come in from work, we really come in. <laughs> we really come through the door. We're really there. We're really able to put it down and give ourselves to our family and be there for them. And I know for me, like, often during the most working weeks my kids are at school that slot between sort of five and eight in the evening that is the time that I've got with my kids every day um so how I, I'm often challenging myself how can I make sure that I make most of that time and that I'm actually there for them um so having no time for them is definitely one thing that can um exasperate them another thing that can exasperate your children is i'd say coming down too hard on them okay we talked about training we talked about um instructing and we know as well the bible talks about discipline we, we believe in that we believe that discipline is important but but sometimes perhaps we can be too harsh on our kids sometimes maybe we can come down on them too hard we can we can perhaps lecture them a little bit more than perhaps we needed to again i'm talking from my own experience here um or sometimes just out of tiredness or annoyance, we can overreact with them. We can perhaps be overly stern or serious sometimes. And you know what? Life is serious, isn't it? Life is serious. Life's got its, its difficulties. Life's got its pressures. There's, there's things to, to sort out. And, you know, parenting is a serious business. 
But do you know what? We need to balance that and make sure that we don't take ourselves and it too seriously. We need to also remember that parenting's fun. Parenting is a lot of fun. Kids are a lot of fun, aren't they? Does anyone else think kids are fun? Well, I think kids are really fun. Kids are great. And, and that's a really important part of it. I think if you allow yourself to just have fun, if you allow yourself to, to enjoy laughter every now and then with your kids, then um, it will help just take that, perhaps some of that stern edge off your parenting, perhaps. <laughs> this morning, just totally random example from my crazy family, but this morning, I, my youngest, who's six, she got some bubbles and was blowing bubbles, and we decided to just suddenly say the word bubbly uh, as often as possible, as quickly as we can. So we're blowing bubbles and going bubbly, 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 and seeing how quickly we can do it. I mean, it's a bit crazy and inane, but it's fun. Um, you know, things like that are, are great. You might find yourself dressing up as Obi-Wan Kenobi or Tinkerbell and running around the house. That's fine. Go with it. Go with it. That's, that's, that is fine. Don't take yourself too seriously. So not having, not having time for kids, perhaps coming down too hard on them and being too serious. And thirdly, having no boundaries. This is another way we can exasperate our children, perhaps on the other end of the scale, is to have no boundaries. Now, boundaries, of course, are there for protection and for well-being. We want to have fun, we want to have freedom, but boundaries are there for good reasons as too. For example, uh, if you play a football game and there's no referee, imagine what that would be like. A lot of footballers would think that would be great because we, you, know, you can get away with things, but obviously a referee is there, the lines, uh, linesmen are there, and all of the the little white lines are there. They're boundaries. They're, there's rules which make the game playable. Or in the same way, imagine if, if you drive home at the end of today and there's no street signs, there's no street markings, there's no traffic lights. How chaotic would that be trying to get home um, if it was like that? Boundaries are there for safety. They're there to stop things descending into anarchy and carnage. And so... If we follow sometimes what can be the fashion in society and just let our children do what they want without any boundaries whatsoever, that is actually the height of cruelty if we do that. Obviously, extreme examples, you're not going to let your small child play in the road or uh, play where there's sharp knives you, you know, or anything like that or broken glass. That, those are just obvious examples of boundaries. But boundaries need to continue being laid as your children grow and again, particularly when they're little, um, putting good boundaries in place is good for their own good. And if you don't do that, you will um, exasperate them, probably just through spoiling them, through the fact that they won't grow up with those safe sense of boundaries. And this is really challenging. This is the bit that's often like the rock face of parenting, isn't it? Because sometimes kids don't like boundaries. <laughs> And we don't like boundaries as humans. We like to kind of push against them. We like to do our own thing. But let me just remind you what that verse said from Proverbs 22.6. This is a different translation. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So good boundaries when they're young will shape them in a really healthy, good way when they're older. Okay, so there you have it. Ephesians 6.4, just a little snippet for us this morning. If you want to exasperate your children, have no time for them, come down too hard on them, and have no boundaries. But if you want to uh, 
if you want to train them and instruct them well in the ways of the Lord, then uh, attend to those things and you'll do well. The other thing, of course, is if you don't exasperate your children, you'll, you'll build a better relationship with them and that's really important too. Right, now, of course, all of this stuff might sound great in theory, but the reality is we all have our failings. And probably all of us in the room who are parents have at some point lost our rag with our kids, not parented out of the best place, not done what we would have wanted to have done. Now, this is really, really important, okay? This is like a huge point in this talk. If you're a parent, you need to learn to deal with guilt. And particularly if you're a parent of young kids, in the melee of babies and toddlers, it's really, really important that you learn to deal with guilt almost as a, as, as a part of your daily life, as a part of your weekly life, your, probably more like your daily life. Learn to deal with your own guilt. I said earlier that there's pressure from society. We can feel like we need to be perfect. And sometimes we walk around carrying just a burden of guilt. And we can parent out of that if we're not careful. Okay, and we, we all have it. Can we just admit we all have some of that as parents because we all know that we have messed up sometimes. We all know that we're not perfect. And you know what? This is the thing about being a Christian parent that is so much hope. We're not alone and we have wisdom. And part of being a Christian is, is this thing called forgiveness, <laughs> right? That's part, a really key part of the gospel message, isn't it? We receive forgiveness of our sins, of our failings at the cross through Jesus Christ, through his death for us and his resurrection we can be forgiven of all of our sins and you know what here's the good news that includes the sins you do as parents it really does it includes the sins that you do even when you feel like you've really done a bad thing and you and you feel awful because you're here and your little helpless baby is here and you feel terrible but you know what the cross pays for those sins as well every single sin every single thing that you've done wrong and so you can come back to God and you can say sorry for the times that you mess up. And you know what God will do? He will forgive you. He will restore you. He will uh, give you the grace to go again. And he will teach you something through that experience that will make you a better parent in the future. So there is tremendous hope. There really is tremendous hope. Guilt is, I believe that probably guilt is just a part of parenting that we, that's there because none of us are perfect and we mess up and we all want to do better and we and we don't but we can deal with it we don't have to live in it we don't have to stay in it so i just want to close by just pointing us back to god as i said earlier he is the perfect father and the more you get to know him the more that you will parent like him he's the one who can restore and can help us even when we've messed up obviously our kids are his kids really ultimately he's the father of creation he's the author of life he's given us this role to parent our children he is the ultimate father the ultimate parent we can trust him and i don't know where you are on your journey towards god maybe you've known god for many years uh, maybe this is one of the first times you've walked into a church meeting maybe ever or for a long time but you know what if you're on a journey towards God at all, then know that the end destination is this perfect Father. And you can get to know him. And he's done everything necessary to come into relationship with him, 
through his son Jesus. He can deal with the mess. He can deal with the junk in our lives. And he can be the perfect father that maybe you've dreamed of having. So let me close by saying that for all the parents in the room, particularly the dads, our role is vital. But in essence, we merely act as imperfect signposts pointing towards this perfect heavenly father who promises never to give up on us or let us down or fail us. And he's the kind of father we need and the kind of father that is available to each one of us. Can we pray?